The information we provide in this podcast is for entertainment and informational purposes only. It should not be used in the place of advice from a mental health medical professional for prevention, diagnosis, or treatment of any other illness. If you're struggling with mental health issues, please seek professional help. The opinions shared in this podcast are our own and do not necessarily reflect those of our employers. Thank you for listening. Hello, fellow listeners, and welcome back to the Here Comes a Thought podcast, that podcast that talks about Steven Universe and psychology and other stuff, or sometimes we just geek out. I am we don't, Jan- we don't geek out about anything. We geek out about everything. You're lying. About a lot of stuff. That's fake news right there. Fake news? I'm John Ramos, purveyor of fake news, and I am accompanied <laughs> by Kat LaForgia. Hi. And Mark Quidis. Why, hello there. And today we're going to discuss two very small but interesting episodes, um, Marble Madness and Rose's Scabbard. Are you guys ready? I'm as ready as I'll ever be. (laughs) So. Oh, oh, wait. No, this is my bit, isn't it? Yes, the bits. Please, (laughs) give us the bits. (laughs) I I completely I'm like, why why is he pausing for so long? (laughs) Oh, that's right. It's it's my bit. I'm supposed to start. Okay. Yeah, it's okay. Um, It's okay. Give us the bits. So Marble Madness. So what is Marble Madness about? Mark. Yeah, time to get the little plot summaries here. So Marble Madness starts off with Steven and Connie on the beach, and Connie is introducing her favorite series to Steven, uh, The Unfamiliar Familiar. Um, And so they start reading, uh, she starts reading the book to Steven, and he's completely, like, engrossed in this story. And she hasn't even finished the first page when this giant marble thing from... Uh, it's a giant marble version of the little robinoids from prior episodes with Peridot. Um And, of course, the gems come out immediately and destroy it. And they get covered in goop. And they have a goop hug, which is beautiful. It is beautiful. So, over the course of the next, I'm assuming, like, week or, or so, um, Stephen is reading through the unfamiliar familiar books. However, at first he reads them out of order. Which really upsets Connie because mm-hmm. she's realizing that Steven's like completely like he's not grasping the idea of a series. Um, And eventually, though, he gets it and he's into the third book and he's asking her like some basic questions because he's so engrossed in the story that I'm sure he's forgetting some of these critical plot devices in the in the book. But ultimately, like they keep getting these uh they keep figuring out that the marbles are are coming to Earth and the gems being terrified of what they might be after or what they might be doing are quick to go and destroy them. And at some point, Steven's like, listen, like, we can't fight these things forever. And Garnet's like, yeah, we can't. Well, we could, but I don't want to. And so... Eventually, Stephen convinces them to follow it or let uh, let the marble lead them to wherever it is it's going to go, which ultimately brings it to the kindergarten. And uh, Amethyst and Pearl are immediately uncomfortable. They want to destroy the thing. But Guardian is giving Stephen a chance of letting his idea go through to figure out what's going on, because at this point, they don't know what's going on. And they're kind of scared of the fact that they don't know what's going on. And instead of trying to figure it out, they'd rather just keep uh, destroying these things. So it brings them to the kindergarten. They enter this deep underground like cave system layer. I don't know what you want to call it. And this marble robinoid ends up um, calling out or activates this little layer thing. And Peridot appears on the screen. And she's running all these diagnostic checks and Steven wants to like go ask her what's going on. Like, what is she doing? And Garnet's like, listen, we are up against something, uh, an enemy that we don't know using technology. We don't understand. This is not a time to be asking questions. And Steven just rebuttals that, well, it seems like the perfect time to ask a question to me. 
So while Garnet's trying to figure out a plan, uh, Steven gets up in front of Peridot and interjects as she's running through her diagnostic checks and answers some questions that Peridot's asking, like, uh, there's a Steven infestation. Is he the only Steven? Have Stevens uh, replaced humans? And then when Steven decides to ask a question, all Peridot says is, I'm just picking up where we left off. And then tries to crush uh, Steven, but then the Crystal Gems intervene. Peridot's surprised because there was a red eye uh, surveillance thing that didn't pick up any gem activity, but they... Uh, Pearl says that they destroyed it, that they're the crystal gems. And then they cut Peridot off by shutting off, like by destroying the power source of the little cavern. And the last thing Peridot says is, I'm reporting this. And then that's the, uh, that's the end of the episode with Steven saying, okay, I may have gone a little overboard. Uh, and to which Garnet agrees that, yeah, it was a pretty bad idea. But they did learn something valuable. That it was a bad idea. I don't know. They learned they learned a little bit more about what's going on and who they're up against. But yeah, no, it was a pretty bad idea. I mean, they already knew about Peridot. Yeah, but they had a little bit more insight in terms of what she's doing and what she's trying to do with the kindergarten. Mm-hmm. That's true. So, <laughs> um... So I'm gonna I'm gonna make Jean very upset. Do you know I actually have never read the Golden Compass? Me neither. Me neither. So I so when you guys wrote down in the notes about the Golden Compass, I was like, I don't know anything about this. So you were like the unfamiliar, familiar, otherwise known as the Golden Compass. I actually didn't read the books and I didn't see the movies, so I have no no clue why. I <laughs> remember. Yo, same though. Yeah, I remember seeing the movies a long time ago. And it's just the description, like, everybody has familiars, and then she's looking for her father. And the cover just looked so much like the cover from The Golden Compass, except the lion was, like, replaced by a... a it was a it, bear, it's not, right? It's, not, it's a bear, sorry. Yeah, the bear was replaced by, like, a an eagle. Mm. But it seemed so much like that description. And I... I don't put it past this series to sort of softly hint at a specific real book. <laughs> I mean, she softly hints at so many other things and might as well just throw in a real book in there too. Yeah. So, so yeah, so, so I, I had no clue. I'm like, Oh, the golden compass. I have no clue about this series. So I don't know. So I'll, I'll take you guys word at it. So, Oh, I'm I didn't glad. even know it existed. No. Yeah. <laughs> And I'm like, okay, so I, I guess I'm not the only one. So, so look at this. You wrote something in here, and we did, none of us knew anything about this. Look at this. Why are you putting notes in here, and we didn't read anything about this? To be Bad fair, John. I don't read the notes until the day we record. That's I'm true. Oh my God, really that's honest. Horrible. Well, and there's no think... point in me. There's no point in me reading the notes until the day we record, so that way they're fresh in my mind. It's not like I'm reading them like 10 seconds before we hit the record button. I'm reading them like as I'm watching the episode so I can see where his notes, like what he's picking up with the notes. I try. You, see, <laughs> you try and I appreciate your your, your attempts. <laughs> you know what? Let's, you know, I want to start up the discussion of this episode with a theme that we've never really discussed in the series, which is the fact that Steven doesn't go to school. Right? right, that's something we've never talked about. Never ever talked about it. It's we've it, never it's, discussed this. This has never been a rant I've had ever. No, you, specifically, I don't think, so. I don't think you've specifically ever talked me. About this. You yeah. know, I think I've you're never, the one who doesn't. You're the only one who doesn't have a problem with the fact that it's not discussed yeah. in the series. I'm actually I've appalled never, that you're like a <laughs> MFT, but ever. you don't. I've even never ranted about this about ever, it. ever, ever, ever. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Oh my god, you should see the 12 shades of red I'm turning right now. <laughs> Is that from embarrassment? From uh, anger? From both? Yes. Yeah. Uh, for, from the, from She's the, angry at herself for not ever thinking from about the twel- about. From the rage that that is going through me right now. <laughs> anyway. 
So I know this isn't like the main theme or the episode or anything, but I just realized that Connie is the only thing that has given Stephen proper reading comprehension skills. I'm trying to figure out how Stephen was able to learn how to read where he can read the unfamiliar familiar. Mm-hmm. Well, I feel because like his a- dad still teaches him how to read. I mean, I feel like everybody learns how to read. Yeah, but then reading comprehension is another thing. Yeah. I and, mean, and he and read the entire series and he doesn't know what a familiar is. Well, see, that's the thing. That's what I'm saying. Like, he gets to the third book, but he, he has no idea what what a familiar is. Like, I feel like, but I feel like he's learning as he's reading. Um. Okay. Because so the, if the, where would I, the crystal gems have taught him how to read? I'm not saying the Crystal Gems taught him how to read. I'm talking about Greg teaching him how to read. Okay, let's just think, what if I read the first three books of Harry Potter, and then I'm like, yeah, but what's magic? Yeah. What's that thing they keep mentioning? And what's a wand? So you know that he's not having proper reading comprehension. He might be sort of like reading the words out and sort of going through the book, but reading comprehension means that you understand the content of what you're reading, right? And that takes a lot more skill. Well, and I feel like that's why Connie's on the phone with him, talking him through the book and, and discussing the book with him, so that way he can understand it. Yes. So she's literally the person who's te- teaching him. Connie's um, a teacher. Reading and a story. Yeah. But, like, the Crystal Gems keep interfering with his education. Or at least the Crystal Gem, like lifestyle the every time he's like trying to talk with connie about the book and how much progress he's making um the marbles keep coming back and so he has to put his education on hold to attend to his duties as a crystal gem which i think is a very fascinating concept that happens in real life when we have to sort of balance when we give kids too much responsibilities and they can't balance their education with the other responsibilities they have. Well, and I think parents do this on a consistent basis with, um, with other things when parents do the, um, you know, (sighs) there are many children who have a very detailed schedule and um but i mean education is usually put into that schedule yes so what i'm mm-hmm. going to say is so when when i come in as as a family therapist um Having a schedule for a child to follow, the reason why many children have behaviors at home and not in school is because at school they follow a rigorous schedule. Mm -hmm. And they do well with a schedule because they can predict what is about to happen. They know that first thing in the morning when they get to school, they're going to have homeroom and as soon as they get to homeroom they go put their uh they put their books in their locker then they go down to breakfast and then they go do this and then they do this then they have first period and then they do this and then they do this and then they have second period and then they do this and so they have a schedule that they follow yeah. that that schedule follows throughout the semester uh throughout the year until summer and then we see the behaviors start up again for the summer unless the kids have um, another set schedule for the summer. Um, The behaviors act uh, continue at home because a lot of times families don't continue on with a set schedule at home because they're like, oh, well, you know, at home, they get home and yeah, they have a set schedule. Okay, what's your set schedule look like when they get home? Well, when they get home, this is what happens. Okay, but that's not a set schedule. You know, some parents are like, yes, when they get home, the first thing they do is they get a snack. Then they tell me, you know, from, you know, 530 to six o'clock, they're doing homework or they have dinner and then they have this and then they have that. 
But some parents go completely, you know, balls to the wall. And then they say, you know, as soon as they get home, you know, they have a snack and then they have uh, gymnastics and then they have, you know, dinner and then they have homework and then they have and you're like, okay, but the kid gets home from school at three o'clock and they still don't get home technically from all activities till like. 7 38 and they go to bed at nine mm-hmm. somewhere f- with all of that they had to have finished their their uh their homework assignments um and they're supposed to have some downtime they're supposed to be a kid in all of that and they're like yeah they are a kid but they're doing gymnastics and they're doing you know yeah. they're you know they're uh, doing karate and they're doing this and they're doing that, but that's not them being a kid. That's them following a rigorous schedule and half this t- half their time, you know, you know, some of these kids are eight, nine, ten years old. By the time they're 11, 12 years old, I see these kids burned out like 30 year olds. <laughs> I feel like all parents lie on this one spectrum. They can either be Greg parents or they can be Maheshwan parents. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. You kind of be got to be somewhere in the middle. Somewhere in the middle, people. <laughs> don't be a Greg, but don't be a Maheshwan. Be somewhere in the middle. Yeah. And sometimes... Be a Fryman parent. How about that? Uh, I'm not sure. No. I, should no. you neglect your child in order to... I, I'm not sure that was good either. I think don't there be, are no don't good be, parents. how about, yeah, how, how about, let's not be anybody from, uh, Beach City. City. So that's just Mahesh Warrens. Yeah. But don't be like the Mahesh Warrens because they're like the overly rigorous parent. Well, that was when they first started. How about like when we get, how <sighs> we can't talk about that. That's Damn. later. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah. Let's, 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 let's rain. All it right. In. Let's keep going. Let's rain it in and let's get some. So anyway, um, but as we continue seeing on in the episode, one of the things that we also see is the they fight throughout this episode. Instead of dealing with what's going on and trying to investigate, which is what Steven does, they fight and they fight and they fight. And Steven and at some point uh, Garnet go, we've got to figure out what's going on let's just follow it and kind of then investigate. And this is something that we do in our everyday life when we're dealing with our fears. Mm -hmm. Um, And this is, uh, and what I was saying was, this is something we deal with when we're dealing with fear of failure and sometimes even fear of success. Um, We're not sure of, What's going to happen if we, uh, if we fail? We're not sure what's going to happen if we succeed in an activ- in 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 our plans in in an activity. So we kind of get stuck, or we fight, um, moving forward. And this is what Garnet and Peridot—I mean Garnet, Peridot and um, oh my God, Pearl and Amethyst are doing. <laughs> oh my god i i want to get to paradox so badly <laughs> this is what pearl and amethyst are doing they're they're fighting these little these marbles that keep coming at them because they don't want to know what's coming they don't want to investigate what's coming they just want to stop it they don't want to move forward they like how everything is they like the status quo Mm-hmm. Um, and instead of saying, okay, you know, we don't want to fail and say, okay, you know, let's investigate the, the, the marble and see what's the next step or let's succeed, let the marble come and, you know, say that nothing is going to happen if the marble continues, you know, what's, what's the worst that can happen. Mm-hmm. Nobody could see me rolling my eyes. <laughs> it happened. It happened. Um, but um, 
their fear got them stuck in a situation where they they just had to endlessly fight. Yeah, that they were in an endless rut, and they were feeling anxious about it because yeah, there was really no end to it. So they were just prevent trying to prevent the inevitable instead of finding alternate solutions or investigating a bit more into what factors are at play that keep bringing marbles to Earth. So. This is um, when we deal with our 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 endless rut. When we deal with our our fear of um, our fear of success, our fear of failure. This is the anxiety of our daily routines. This is our our fear, our anxieties of what's our next step. Um. This this is what we fight with ourselves on. So we tend to, we can shut down. Um, so it can be better to just take a leap of faith or yeah. um, do something different and see where it takes you, even if it's a risky move. And in which case, here in this episode, it's definitely a risky move. But it's a step into a different direction. So even if there are drawbacks from it, maybe it's better than something that you already know has an inevitable same end, um, which is the marbles will keep on coming, mm-hmm. right? And that's what Stephen tries to tell the gems. Like, maybe we should just follow it, see where it's going, see what it's trying to do. And maybe that will give us a hint to how we can solve this issue. Um, and so they do follow it, and they follow it all the way to the kindergarten, and here's where the risk part comes in, because we find out that the marble is actually sort of like a survey sent by um, Peridot. And Stephen's like, maybe we should ask Peridot the questions we're, we're, that are like bothering us right now. And he doesn't seem to have acquired a sense of, you know, what is a... Oh, I'm, I'm looking well, he's for not word. scared of Peridot right now, and mm-hmm. he doesn't. Uh, he the 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 fear of the home, the fear of the homeworld gems, aren't it isn't ingrained in him the way that the fear of the homeworld gems is ingrained in in the other three. But he so, does know that they're a danger. He does know that they're in da- uh, they're a danger, but he's not as fearful. He still has hope. Mm-hmm. So he hasn't met homeworld gems that are dangerous yet. Mm-hmm. You know the the other he's met he he met Peridot. Um. Did they? I think he, they saw Peridot from afar, but I don't think they've met Peridot. Yeah, but she they wasn't... Haven't, dang- they haven't, whatchamacallit... Um, interacted with her? Yeah, they haven't really interacted with her because they did see her at the at the, the, the warp. galaxy warp. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's when she noticed the, noticed the sticker that she immediately left. Mm-hmm. So and then did, they, that's when Garnet destroyed the galaxy orb, saying no one's coming back. So, but he didn't see her as, from there, he didn't see her as a threat. I mean, but there's- They also, did, but he didn't. Yeah, but there, there's a, it's, I think there's an essential social skill there that he's missing. Because if I know, like, my parents are saying, like, these people are up to no good, like- they did horrible things to this planet. They're trying to harm us. And my first, you know, intent is to just go over to them and, and just say like, Hey, what are you up to? Let's talk. Let's, I don't know. It's not, it's, it shouldn't be your first instinct. You should approach these situations with a degree of wariness that I don't see that Stephen has developed. Hmm. Where have we seen that before? I couldn't tell you. I'm racking my brain. Just say it. <laughs> we'll come back to it later. So, <laughs> so he's not scared of her. Mm-hmm. 
And he's also met Lapis Lazuli. Oh, yeah, that's true. Um, And again, not scared of her. Mm-hmm. And she did kind of put her put put him in danger. Yeah, that's true. But he's not scared of homeworld gems. Yeah, because I don't think he fully hmm. under like grasps the reality of the situation. I mean, since he is the son of Rose Quartz, and Rose Quartz was this leader, I don't think he's understanding that. Rose Quartz is a big deal, and no no other gem besides Gar- Garnet, Amethyst, and Pearl are going to understand that he's half-human and that he's not Rose Quartz. Because if they see his gem, they're going to assume that he's Rose Quartz. And I don't think he's understanding that there's just how much of a big deal Rose Quartz actually is. Mm-hmm. That's the leader of the revolution. Yeah, he's his social skills are very lacking, and he puts himself in danger. Mm-hmm. Um, he because there has, is a way that he can cautiously approach someone while still being empathetic and being, you know, um, you can be self protective and at the same time be open to others. And I think he's lacking in the sense of having a sense of self preservation. But he's socially unaware of the ability of the dangers of the world around him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he's socially unaware of the dangers he can put not only himself, but other people in because of what he does. Yeah. He practically gave Peridot much more information than she got from him. Mm-hmm. So he, he told her that the world is still populated by humans. Um, he introduced himself to her. He didn't, she didn't give him any information. And then Pearl pretty much, um, doubled down by saying that they're the crystal gems and they're here to protect the earth. And they practic, she practically like put the last nail uh, on the coffin, really. Um, cause she, even if Peridot doesn't know anything about the crystal gems, Peridot now has that information and she's going to report it, which, we assume might lead to her learning a bit more about what the crystal gems were mm. and why she was so passionate about protecting earth or whatever. So overall, not a good move. <laughs> and I think that's it for yep. Marvel well, Madness. Let's go to, yeah, let's go to Rose's scabbard. Rose's scabbard. Oh boy. What the a bits. very emotional episode that is. <laughs> is it though? Is it? Probably not. There's no tears. There's no emotional highs and lows in this episode. None whatsoever. Give us the bits, Mark. You want the bits? Yes, the bits. All right, all right. Here are the bits. So the Gems and Steven head to the strawberry fields... Um, and I guess it's to help clean up the weapons or get new weapons. I don't know what exactly they're for. Pearl says that uh, Garnet said that they can't just see the weapons laying around. And then Garnet grabs a giant axe. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> Steven is like, oh, well, that's cool. And um, he has Lion with him. And Lion uncovers this scabbard. That Pearl easily identifies as it being Rose's scabbard, hence the name of the episode. <clears throat> and so, with that, um, Pearl's kind of explaining about the scabbard and about her sword and is talking about this massive battle. Well, Garnet kind of adds a bit of reality to it, like, you know, oh, countless gems are broken. This was a horrible war and blah, 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 blah. But Pearl's like, but we won. Mm-hmm. And so when they get back to the house, uh, you know, Garnet and Amethyst are trying to get the axe through the door into the temple. And Pearl is sort of reminiscing about um, all these past adventures with Rose. And she says, you know, I wish I could show you all this stuff. And then, you know, Stephen's like, okay, well, why don't you? Um as Pearl is 
also saying how Rose had all these secrets that she told to nobody except for Pearl. And Pearl seems to take great delight in the fact that she feels like Rose told everything to her, but kept it a secret from everybody else. So Pearl takes Steven over to her secret, uh, to Rose's secret armory. Um, and then we find out that Steven had actually been there before. If you recall from, I think it's Lion 2, the movie, or go to the movie. Lion to the movies. Lion to the, yeah, Lion to the movie. So this is where we see that again. And Pearl's kind of confused because, you know, Steven's talking all about this thing. And uh, he pulls up all this, all these weapons, all these armors. And Pearl is name dropping all this stuff. And she's getting visibly kind of agitated because Steven isn't comprehending at all. He's just like, okay, cool. Let me poke my body and let's bring up some more stuff. And um, after that, um, he kind of forgets what he's there for. And Pearl's like, we're here for the sword. And then she pulls like she creates a hologram image of the sword. And Steven's like, oh, I know where that is. And he pulls it out of Lion's Mane. And whatchamacallit pearl kind of freaks out about it because she's she was unaware that the lion was related to rose even though the lion's pink and garnet even says like it's kind of obvious and with that uh pearl kind of has this little mini meltdown and is really agitated because she feels like rose would have told her everything but for some reason decided to keep the lion a secret from her and after kind of freaking out and, and on everybody, she warps away. And Steven decides to go after her. And after chasing after her through the fields and everything, uh, he ends up confronting her. And she reveals a little bit more about how um, how closely like how closely Steven can, can be like Rose. And she, you can see that she's filled with emotion of missing her but steven comforts her and you know and at the end of the episode is kind of saying like you know i think you're pretty great even if rose isn't there steven still thinks she's amazing and at the end of the day they decide to put rose's sword with the scabbard in lion's mane and uh yeah that's the end of the episode um so like i said i feel like this is a very emotional episode Especially this this is a very pearl centric episode. Yep. And since you're the pearl of our podcast, John, why don't you tell us a little bit more about it? Um <laughs> Nice segue. Um so I think we can start talking about how this how Pearl, Garnet, and Amethyst talk about the revolution, right? As you mentioned before, like Garnet really focuses on the horrors of war, which is usually the most objective form of of seeing things in in terms of, you know, there's always two parties that are harming each other, um, and it's it's a horrifying concept, right? All the death and all the the, the suffering, but it's usually for a cause, and so when we get to po- Pearl's point of view, it's a lot more rose-colored. See what I did there? Look at you. Um, Right, her focus is on how, whether they won, about how much she identifies with the concept of fighting by Rose's side, fighting for a, a common ideal. And this is something that really dominates her narrative. It's very emotionally emotionally charged in the sense that she has a lot of pride in her participation in this war right and amethyst just wishes she had been there to sort of witness all of it and so i think it's very interesting there are sort of separate points of view and how how very differently you can um perceive a a one point in history so I found that interesting, and I wrote that that down in the notes. Does anybody have anything to say about that? Cat. 
Not really. Not really. Okay. Not really. Nope. Let's keep on talking about the most important part of the episode, mm-hmm. which is when they find Rose's scabbard, Pearl starts talking about all her pleasant memories with with Rose. And uh, Stephen recognizes it and takes the sword from Lion's Mane. And this is a shock to her because she feels, Pearl feels that there were no secrets between her and Rose. That her, their relationship was so much stronger than the relationship that Rose has had with anybody else that it, it would be impossible to conceive of the idea that Rose kept secrets from her. And to her, I don't, I'm not sure whether she perceives this as a betrayal on Rose's part or more like a, a failure of Pearl of, for not being trustworthy enough or something. What do you guys think about that? I feel like it's probably more of a betrayal to her just because she took this great pride in knowing that um rose could turn to her for any and all of her secrets you know the secret armory that she had no one knew about it but her mm-hmm. you know the all this other all these other things that rose kind of weighed on her shoulders she, pearl was there to kind of you know share it with her and the fact that now there's this whole there, there's this creature here that Pearl had absolutely no knowledge about, and even so, there is this other dimension in Lion's Mane that Stephen can enter in, and it seems to have a lot of her stuff in it that Pearl has no idea of. Mm-hmm. You know, it it just seems like an like it's just like one betrayal after another. Mm-hmm. And I was, I don't think Pearl necessarily hand like can really handle all these little betrayals stacked up on top of each other. Even think, though in the grand scheme of things they may not seem like much or not seem important, but to to Pearl who greatly admired Rose and who felt that she was her confidant in all these things, you know, it's just it's like a giant slap to the face to her. I think uh, Pearl thought she was more important to Rose than she actually was. Mm-hmm. Um, and it becomes she, finding out these secrets it is slowly starting to unravel that that ball of yarn. Yeah. That she's starting to realize that she may not have been as important as she thought she was, or she may not have had that high a place. You, you know, she put Rose on this pedestal that she may not have needed to put her on. Mm-hmm. But the other thing is, if you put somebody up on a pedestal, you don't have access to them either. So she put Rose on this pedestal for so long and she left her unaccessible. Well, mm-hmm. well of course she went to somebody else. <laughs> that's why she's got, you know, that's why she left him for Greg or left her for Greg. I think there's, there's a lot of gestures in this episode that are very powerful and telling. And I, I really want to sort of discuss each of those as we go. Mm-hmm. So first of all, I think it's uh, one of the very powerful gestures is there's this moment when she learns that Steven can go through Lion's Mane and she's physically trying to push herself into Lion's Mane. And it's like she's she knows there is a space of Rose that was inaccessible to her. Mm-hmm. And she she keeps trying to force herself in. She must be the person who knows absolutely everything. But there's just certain things that are outside of her control. And that that's very frustrating for her. That's very difficult for her to accept. Well, so I think this goes back to uh, Pearl's relationship. Pearl had... 
(sighs) The relationship Pearl had with Rose was completely in her... (laughs) It sounds so bad. It was completely in her mind. Mm. And, And it's... And I hate to say it that way. You know, I I feel Rose cared about Pearl, but not as deeply as Pearl cared about Rose. Yeah, it's a very one directional relationship. Yes, not 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 saying that Rose did not love Pearl in any way, but it was definitely that Pearl was putting much more into that relationship than perhaps Rose was giving back. Exactly, um, and. At some point, um, and, and, and this, this, it becomes almost obsessional, Mm -hmm. um, and showing, and I'm sorry, let me just gather my thoughts for a second. This lion's mane is, is the, is that, um, is, is that great, uh, visualization that shows there is an access point where Pearl doesn't have of Rose. Yeah, you it know. shows Rose's boundaries. Yeah. You know, Rose was like, yes, you know, you can, you've kept all my secrets that you know of. Um, but there are secrets yet that you do not know. There are still things that I have kept even from you. Um and here they are like mm-hmm. visually here they are you ca- you do not have access to them mm-hmm. and they're under lock and key and the only person who has access to them is me and literally it's 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 rose as steven mm-hmm. so now the only person who has access to rose's secrets is rose but St- as as Stephen and Stephen doesn't even know the secrets that he knows. And something I find really fascinating is that when we go to the inside the lion's mane, everything that Rose had in there was pleasantly um, presented. Right? It was like an altar of sorts. Mm-hmm. It, it wasn't just like some some place where she just dumped things on, like Greg's um, garage. She had put everything with purpose, and uh, she it was definitely a space that Rose came to for comfort, perhaps, or maybe she just left it that way so Stephen could see it and sort of um he Actually, he could see the, the, that the perfect the perfect way to describe it is is an, it's an oasis mm-hmm um. And even though he can't breathe in it, um, I'm assuming she could. Well, yeah. gems don't breathe. Exactly. Yeah. So um, so he isn't able to breathe in it, but it would be her, her oasis when she needed a breath of fresh air. Yeah. So when she needed that fresh, you know, that... F- clean water that you know cleansing breath from that to get away from pearl Mm -hmm. she would be able to go to her that was her place Mm -hmm. so i found that very fascinating um i thought it was hilarious the uh the shrine where the weapons were stored mm -hmm. and pearl was over here oh and you don't know pearl is such a a rabid know-it-all and you don't have uh, you don't know about this place and he's like oh yeah i know about this place and and i can get i I know about these things and he's just so hilarious about how he pulls up these weapons like he's tickling himself he pokes himself and like in the nose on the side (laughs) yeah (laughs) and she's it's for her it's so irreverent <laughs> yeah by the way why does pearl has like the heretic's anguish stored in her, 
like I don't know much about Pearl, but why does she keep like this Iron Maiden? Like, what sort of horrible person was she? That no, she just okay. Here's things. the thing. Here's <laughs> my theory. Here's okay. my theory on this. No, whole no, thing. no, 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 no. I feel I agree like... with John. I agree no, with John. Listen, listen. What? I don't no, think the I do anguish. Not think, I do not think they themselves called it the heretics anguish. I feel like they were there wherever this uh medieval torture military weapon was created. Uh-huh. I feel like they themselves called it the heretics anguish and they just and she just took it as a souvenir. What she's not going to call it anything else. She they was say she knows it as with- she 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 knows it as the heretics English. That's what that culture called it. Yeah. So I, that's I, what was... that's why she named it. If you notice all the different armors from all these different eras of warriors, they just call it the here the armor of the fallen, or the the light cannons, the core design trio. Like those are the names that they gave those particular sets of of items. Yeah. But my the... question is more like, I don't know if I would keep an Iron Maiden in my closet. It's, it's a piece. It's a well. Like again, they're gems. So like, I totally. It's would. different. It's like, ooh, look. <laughs> okay, Laura, Kat, we me... don't have to know this. <laughs> and this is what I use for company that I don't want. Thank you. <laughs> okay, that's great. Um, okay. Can we continue on? <laughs> you guys have been here for too long. Can you get into my Iron Maiden, please? Thank you. <laughs> Or you can leave. <laughs> Your choice. So, um, <laughs> another th- another sort of gesture that I found very interesting is how much Pearl clings to the scabbard, right? It's not just that it's Rose's belonging and and so she, she holds on to it. She goes on about how sad the scabbard feels when it's not accompanied by the sword. And in many ways, I feel like this is a metaphor for how Pearl feels without Rose. Yeah, right? I think it's it's the the, the last embodiment of Rose, mm-hmm. and how empty Ro- uh, Pearl is without Rose. Like Rose is the missing piece for mm-hmm. Pearl to be complete, and so I find it very interesting that when Stephen starts asking about um, what his mom was like. She offers Stephen the scabbard, and why would she do this? I mean, I'm I'm sure there's reasons as to like you know so that Stephen can feel closer to his mother, but um, she between giving the scabbard to Stephen and her keeping it is the the sort of emotional dilemma for her of. You know, do I can do I keep this to cling to Rose as much as I can, or do I give it to another generation so that they might sort of understand more about Rose, or sort of share that love I had for Rose? I don't know. What do you guys think? I feel like she's had her time with Rose. Mm-hmm. Um. And no matter what she's has, she has the memories. Mm-hmm. She has the stories. She has a connection with Rose that Stephen will never have. Um, sure, Stephen has Rose's gem. Yeah. Um, but Stephen is never going to get to have the ability to get those stories. He's never going to have the ability. Um, to create his stories with his mother. Mm-hmm. Um, so where she was able to remember war stories with Rose, mm-hmm. the scabbard was, and the scabbard still is an embodiment of her. So uh, Pearl is, Pearl can almost be the scabbard um, without Rose. It's empty. So Pearl without Rose is empty. Mm-hmm. 
you know, but she has Stephen. So for a brief yeah. moment, she's able to sort of give part of herself to Stephen. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So she's able to kind of say, okay, you know what? We've, you know, there's, there's, there's new purpose now. Mm-hmm. There's no reason for the scabbard. You know, it's time to repurpose. Yeah. And I think this actually is a great segue into the, the sort of last gesture before we get into like the more climactic part of this episode, mm-hmm. which is secrets, just how important secrets are to Pearl. We already had an episode about secrets, um, which was Secret Team. I think that was the name of the episode. Yes. Right? And it was all about how Pearl and Amethyst sort of tricked Steven into keeping a secret so that Garnet wouldn't know. And by the end of that episode, we just come to the agreement that they're not going to keep anything from each other anymore. That was at least the the agreement that all the the sort of crystal gems had agreed upon. But Pearl is a very insecure person. Her her attachments are very insecure. And so I think something that she derives a lot of value from is the concept of being a secret keeper. Um, You know, she knows that her relationships with others is strong if others will choose to keep secrets with her instead of other people. And so when Pearl is trying to introduce Steven to the uh, artillery or the arsenal, I forgot the name, um, she frames it in the sense of like, promise not to tell the other gems. So she's keeping secrets again, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, I think this is very important because now that she doesn't have Rose... Her, she has to sort of displace all that love and all that attachment to somebody else. And I feel that somebody else is Steven because he's the closest thing she has to to Rose. And so she says, like, now I'm going to keep secrets with Steven. And just the very concept that Steven knows things that she does not is also a betrayal, like, on, on Rose's part, but also on Steven's part, right? Yep. Um, how come she didn't know that Steven knew about the artillery until she she approached him about that? Um, and this can be very painful for her because she prides on herself in being the one who's trustworthy. And this is what really just puts her on edge for the climactic part of the episode, where she's sort of running away from Steven and she's so emotionally dis- distraught that she has no protective instinct for Stephen for for a lapse of judgment, right? There's this part where Stephen literally plummets almost to his death, and she does not rush in to help him. And when she looks down and see that he's dangling by the roots of a floating island, she doesn't try to help him either. She just goes back to a corner where she can sort of try to digest her emotions. And I think that's very powerful for us to understand just how distraught she is. Because usually she's the one that, you know, she's so worried for Steven that she's worried that he might slip on soap or something, right? That she's so, um, she's the overprotective one. So it's very interesting to see a moment in which she her protective instinct is completely thrown out the window. I feel like the only reason why she's acting like that is just simply because she's so overwhelmed with all these sudden bursts of emotion that she's just like very physically overloaded and overwhelmed that yeah. um she's just not you know she she can't isn't going to react properly or at least to her, she's not going to react like she normally would to certain situations. Like, you saw when Steven took that big leap, she turns and looks at him, and she has, like, this, like, very angry stare at him. Mm-hmm. Because it seems like as though it's his fault that she's like this. And then when she starts, when he starts falling, yeah, then all of a sudden she's switching to her concerned 
look, but when she sees that, you know, he's grappled, he, he's not going to fall, he's fine. Now, all of a sudden, she's dismissive again because she's still overcome with these sudden bursts of emotion and she's not quite sure how to handle these emotions that, you know, now she's just, it's she's acting completely, you know, like as if she doesn't care. There's so much I want to say. <laughs> yeah, there's so much that can be said about. This I know, episode, it's, but this, we have this to episode is just like. <laughs> listen, but, we can talk about all of this stuff that we want to talk about in the forums. It's, those it's, are completely spoilerific. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I can I can spoil the hell out of that episode in in the forums, um, but I think the the other thing is. What can I say without I, going? I so, really don't. I, 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 yeah, I think the other thing is that. Uh, nope, I can't even say that. Nope, I can't. I feel like there, <laughs> we've, we've reached our limit of what we can talk about in this episode without going to spoiler territories. Right, there, there's a little bit more. All right, then bring a, it out. There's, there's one phrase that I think is very powerful. When she says, everything I ever did, I did for her. Now she's gone and I'm still here. Sometimes I wonder if she can see me through your through your eyes, right? And here we see that as we've mentioned before, like she had no boundaries in how much love she she put into her relationship with with Rose to the point where when Rose is gone, she's left with a void of identity. She doesn't know what she's supposed to do with her life. Yeah. Right? What, who is she if not Rose's partner? And so I found this this one moment where she feels like she has no value if she's not with Rose and she starts, you know, tearing up and she sees Steven and she can only see Rose. She says, like, sometimes you, you're so much like her or you look so much like her and that kills her, right? Because her whole identity was was dependent on Rose. And so she feels that without Rose, she has no value. And so Stephen sort of hugs her and tells her, you know, I think you're great. So he validates her and her existence by showing her love in a moment where she she had lost all sense of self. And I thought that was a very emotionally powerful scene. It's scary that she's she's willing to hurt um she's willing to hurt Steven. She gets to a point where she's she's You could do a cat. So yeah, I know. So this it's so it's this this episode gets to a point where I'm just like so lost. She gets so emotionally distraught that she doesn't even put Steven anywhere. She doesn't even think about Steven. Mm -hmm. Um, Where you think she's a crystal gem and the main point of her being a crystal gem is she came to this planet and part of her being a crystal gem is to save everyone on this planet. So whether or not Steven Universe or regular human being, she's supposed to save that person. Mm-hmm. So she had reached a point right there that she shut down. It's also because, you know, when we're emotionally at our worst, our ethical values might be skewed, right? And it's not something, I think, to be taken lightly how um, we have lapses of judgment when we are in great despair. And I think this is what just what's happening with her. I think her her grief is so strong that she forgets what she's there to do be, to begin with. Right. Yeah. She, but you know, as soon as she sees Stephen in danger, she remembers. But before that, she's her no, focus is she on self protection. Let him fall. 
I mean, you, you know what? You I want to sort of go back actually back. a little bit. I want to <laughs> go back a little bit um, to mm-hmm. kind of what John was talking about earlier. Um, like, especially when Pearl gets like, when you see that angry look on her face, I feel like for that split second, it's not that she's mad. I, I want to retract what I said earlier that she's not mad at Steven. She's mad at Rose. Mm-hmm. And because Steven has her gem for, I think for that split second, she doesn't see Steven. She, she sees she, or, or as Steven. She sees Steven as Rose, mm-hmm. and she's mad at Rose for keeping these secrets from her. But okay. then, and when I he think... starts falling. That's when she kind of realizes, "Oh no, wait a minute, that's Steven." But at the same time, I also feel like she doesn't do anything to help him after he catches himself, because there's nothing she can do. Really, she's not like yeah. amethyst with a whip or anything to kind of pull him up or anything she kind of has to let him climb up on his own i i think i can agree with that like i think she gets to a point where she gets lost in herself and she gets lost in her grief and she will blame rose for this and but i i don't know this this whole episode gets so messed up just (laughs) just because of what we know Damn spoilers! I think there's something also very poignant is that Pearl says a specific phrase twice in the episode, which is something around the concept of like, sometimes you look so much like her. And she she says it twice. At the beginning of the episode, She when, when Stephen asks her about what his mom was like, she says, sometimes you look so much like her. And the way she says it, there's like this sad sort of grief, melancholy, um, sort of like, you know, I, I see some things about her and you that I miss and I wish I could still have her here. And then later in the episode, once Stephen climbs up those roots, she says it, but it's there's a lot more rage put into it. And her feelings are sort of like on a roller coaster throughout the episode because she sees Rose and Stephen, and that means she sees the love that she had for Rose, as well as the betrayal of her trust, right? And she's unable to sort of detach these feelings from Stephen. Mm-hmm. And I think I think that's very important. And that one scene where you see her glancing at Stephen is sort of angrily. It's because you know she sees Rose in Stephen in everything he does, maybe in in, in his empathetic sort of way of acting. He sees she sees Rose. So yeah, there's a lot of like powerful gestures and and sort of sentiments and and phrases in this episode, which yeah. I really appreciated. Which because I'm a Pearl fan, you are Pearl. Horrible Pearl. Yeah, Pearl, it's... let it go. You're just gonna you know, let Steven die. You were gonna let so... me die. Horrible. It was your garnet. Sometimes I'm Steven. <laughs> Sometimes we're all Steven. We can only <laughs> hope to be Steven. And I think that's it, right? Or is there any Yeah, I feel like I feel comments? like we've covered about as much as we can in without this spoilers. Yeah, without spoilers. Yeah, cuz this this episode totally needed tons and tons of spoilers. Tons and tons of spoilers. Thank you for listening. Spoilers. Is that is that really the end of the episode there, bud? Is that how you're going to end this episode? <laughs> no, right? Like, really, John? Is that I was thank you guys so much for tuning in to Here Comes the Thought. As always, if you guys want to talk with us, you can check us out and talk to us over on the Steven Universe channel on the Geek Therapy Discord at geektherapy.com slash discord. And if you want to write essays or dissertations about what we have to say here, like John, and you also want to get into more of the spoilery stuff behind this episode, especially reflecting back on it, you can do so over on the forum at forum.geektherapy.com. Which and if you guys want to chat with us... Talk, on- you can then talk about this episode based on everything you know with 
what we've learned from like after season five with exactly you know yeah this all goes that back good to stuff. season five people <laughs> yeah so and then if you guys want to chat with us on twitter follow us on twitter our twitter handles are going to be in the show notes all that good stuff and, and remember yeah, that's to, gonna do it like, for this week remember to uh find us on apple podcast or whatever and like and write reviews so that other people can find us because you know this way we get more people to follow us because if you like us more people will like us and that brings more people to the geek therapy network which we want more people to the geek therapy network because we want a huge family because everybody's family our galaxy warp is open exactly so thanks for tuning in, guys, and we'll be back next time to cover two more fantabulous episodes. How close are we to the end of season one? I think we have four more episodes after this one. Oh, my gosh. I know. <sighs> the next few episodes. We're almost Wait. there, guys. All right. Bye. Thanks, guys. We'll see you guys next time. Bye. Goodbye. Bye-bye.